0: You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it down, the wide open!
1: <laughs> Touchdown Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right
2: away. All the of that man. I hope you
1: soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle. Waddle. To a shotgun. Back to throw. Looking steps up. Fires. Touchdown. up it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown, six touchdown pass of, of the
0: day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let we check your pulse if you're not fired up.
3: What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins how's it going everybody I am your host Travis Wingfield and on today's show we're going to wrap up the 2023 NFL Draft and welcome in two new members to the club Stanford tight end Elijah Higgins and Michigan tackle Ryan Hayes We'll break down their games, their combine metrics, all that fun stuff, and the statistics, hear from each player, and wrap up the night with Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer's end-of-draft presser from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast.
0: My name first.
3: Down! i moved with
1: the 197th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The Miami Dolphins select
0: Elijah Higgins, tight end Stanford. Go, Dolphins. Dolphins. Fins up. Football is life. And what the Dolphins hope is that he's here, he's there, he's every freaking where. (laughs) Elijah Higgins. Elijah Higgins. (laughs) That's great. That is great. Yeah, Elijah Higgins—he played wide receiver at Stanford. Guys, a lot of people think he'll actually play tight end in the NFL. At six foot three, two hundred thirty-nine pounds at the Stanford Pro Day, ran a four-five-four. Four. Kind of that target, like an Evan Ingram almost. He's going to play in the slot. He's going to be your seam stretcher, your cover two muster.
3: And there you hear the selection of Elijah Higgins, a wide receiver at Stanford. Higgins is being listed as a tight end with your Miami Dolphins. Reports pre-draft said there was heavy interest from four teams per Higgins himself the 49ers the Vikings the Titans and your Miami Dolphins and doesn't that list just make perfect sense it turned out the Niners were the ones that were really at the forefront if you go to if you just do a Google search and type in his name you'll see a, re, a report there from I think the SI Niners site about the visits and about how involved he was i think a local Visit there with the Niners coming from obviously Stanford. The Vikings, another branch off that same tree with the Niners scheme. Uh, Kevin O'Connell there in Minnesota. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan. No real affiliation there with the Titans, but you get the idea. Like teams that run a similar offense to the Miami Dolphins liked this guy, and he told us in his post selection press conference say that five times fast that pretty much every team he talked to talked about a, a bit of a transition to a more of a tight end role and a varied role as a multifaceted weapon at this next level. And admittedly, I was not familiar with Higgins prior to the pick. So I went to Lance Zerline from NFL.com and he had this to say, draft grades for Higgins could depend or could vary depending on how teams envision him in their offense. He appears to have the necessary tools to become a dynamic F tight end. That's a move piece, a guy that's A little bit more in the Mike Gosicki mold than, you know, your Durham Smythe. With the ability to work all three levels of the field, Higgins has a more robust... Route tree than most tight ends. Also, he has the frame and technique to be an adequate run blocker in space. He could blossom for an offense ready to plug him in into two tight end sets. And for me now speaking, getting a chance to pull up a couple of his games here uh, of tape, which was nice to have that access. He's a very smooth mover. There's not any wasted movement in his transitions and out of breaks. Like you can tell, this guy is a route runner first and a, a physical specimen second. He's a separator at the top of the route. Like There's no real wasted movement. Did I just say that? In the way he sets up his routes. like He doesn't elongate his his strides. He doesn't take extra steps. It's all with a purpose at creating separation, and he also looks to chew up yardage after the catch, and this all kind of pairs together for this nice complementary piece of a athletic, physical type of option in the passing game, and that's where I think that he really... Has a chance to make a name for himself at this next level as a high upside pass catching tight end. It's tough to talk about his role as a blocker because he just did it from a different position than what you would see from a traditional tight end, you know, playing slot receiver primarily in college. But there's work there to be had too. We've talked about that with Chosen Anderson playing that slot receiver position with a tall guy that can run and kind of bust the seam. Obviously, he's not that fast, but he is, you know, kind of in that mold of a tall playmaking guy that plays inside. And he was just so good as a pass catcher. I've mentioned it a few times. Now the ability to create different types of production in various ways. You know, going back to like the offensive line and the way Tua gets rid of the football and how that maximizes your ability to protect the quarterback and how the sack rates. You know, each of the last couple of years with Tua in the game versus anybody else, it like doubles. And so that's Tua's superpower, right? His processing, his quick trigger, get the ball out. And so we praised a lot of what Trent Sherfield did last year in this offense for blocking on the perimeter. I was a huge fan of that. And that might be my favorite part about Higgins' game right there is that he's a very effective perimeter blocker. So when you go 12 personnel, you can get some of that from the tight end or in 11 personnel for that matter as well. Like It doesn't matter the personnel package, but you can see him having... A little bit of, you know, a little bit of both flavors in terms of how his role is here at the Miami Dolphins. And if you pull up his senior bowl tape, which is accessible nowadays, which is freaking awesome, you can see him run with the tight ends all week. And I thought he showed really well. And that's where you really began to see his ability to transition into a role like that. The workout numbers for a receiver were like good, but for a tight end, they're off the charts. Four five four forty. 40 that's like Tanner Conner range. A 1-5-3-10 split. That is explosive, man. That's firing off the football, and that explosiveness is also evident a 35-inch vert and a 10-foot-6 broad. We did a radio pregame show on Friday, Juice, Seth, and myself down in Fort Lauderdale, and one of the fan questions was, who are some of the candidates for red zone targets left behind by Mike Gasicki? Who's a guy who can go up and pluck the football this could be one of those guys. He's six foot three, good leaping ability, has the big, strong frame to really survive contact. And it's just so funny because turning on the tape, you can see that. He rolls with the ball in his hands. We know how much this offense is predicated on Yak, or at least it, you thought it might be. It wasn't so much last year, but maybe you can recreate some of that here with guys like him because Tyreek and Jalen are so effective at catching the ball down the field. Maybe you give Tua some more short options to allow him to chew up yardage when he doesn't have you know 10 or 17 down the field like we saw in that Chargers and Niners game They took away a good chunk of the middle of the field, that you know intermediate to deep middle portion of the field that leaves vacancies in the short intermediate, or I should say that the short middle, where you can then find guys like Devin A. Chain. You can find guys like Braxton Berrios. You can find guys like Elijah Higgins. It's kind of funny to me because I don't know how many times I've mentioned this on the podcast now about how in this offense, and Mike McDaniel is the reason I say this, because he told us this in a press conference at tight end at offensive line, that it's Firing off the football is so important. And that's the first thing you notice. The very first play I watched against Arizona State is that he was aligned to the to the boundary against off coverage. And you have, you know, ten yards, eight yards of, of cushion, and he's eating up that that space immediately. That's the one, five, three, ten-yard split you see there. But also a good short area burst where he just eats up press or off coverage because you'll notice how well he carries 235 pounds. He's quick as hell and doesn't seem like he even has football pads on, like watching his tape and then his workout side by side. It's pretty similar, but he quickly eats up space, stresses the middle of the field vertically from those slot anti alignments. And man, seven yards average after the catch. He rolls with the football in his hands. That's the exact same average depth of target he had last year, 7.1 yards. So he's a 50% Yak player his final year there at Stanford. I think the trait that makes him really go with the ball in his hands is one of the things that shows you how he can transition to playing more in-line roles or various tight end roles. There's a clip of a slot cornerback trying to reroute him in that Arizona State game in 2021. And he just runs right through the jam. And he's the one that inflicts the you know, the knockback. He's the one that gets the corner off balance and takes his route right to the flag wide open because he ran the dude over basically and goes up and plucks it super strong through contact. Then literally one snap later, Arizona or rather Stanford has put the ball into the low red zone one-on-one to the field, the wide side of the formation from the six yard line. They throw him a fade pass. And again, he engages the contact on the jam and runs right through it and puts himself in easy position for a touchdown grab that's a very quarterback friendly trait to possess to know you've got a guy that can control the rep from a physicality standpoint, because those guys are so difficult to intercept the ball against. So those types of plays, and that's very important on 50, 50 balls for the trust of your quarterback. He wins down the field with that style of route to the, the, The physicality, like he beats leverage with body positioning and physicality aspect of his game. And man, the release package screams wide receiver. That's what really intrigues me. He's got very high upside as a pass catching tight end traits, and he seems to have an answer for the various ways teams try to cover him. And we talked about Eric Saubert's hand size and how he just plucks it naturally. This guy's got 10 and a half inch hands. That's 94th percentile for the position. He had 119 catches at Stanford for 1,380 yards and six touchdowns. Last year, he caught 72% of his targets. He played in the slot 80% of the time. 18.5% out wide and 2% in line. That was on 661 total snaps. And he also played on special teams too. And that type of speed can really help you in that area of the game. Between he and Tanner Connor, man, you've got two really high upside gifted athletes for that F role. Maybe it's a number three tight end right away, but potentially down the road, you develop into a guy that can be a dependable pass catcher. I think it's a really, really, really good flyer to take in the sixth round. And just kind of perusing social media and looking at some of the takes from the draft Knicks out there, Jim Nagy had a tweet from last July talking about Elijah Higgins hitting 21.5 miles per hour GPS on a 56-yard touchdown catch he had against UCLA. And when you watch it, I talked about the way he runs through reroutes and physicality. In this off coverage, it's a little stutter and go step, and you see the route running ability and the really no waste of movement on that touchdown catch. I retweeted it. Go check it out. Really impressive play right there. You've also got this from Lance Zerline once again. Higgins is an awesome value pick. It's a big slot slash F tight end who Mike McDaniel can have some fun with. I uh, saw this tweet from Chris Kaufman and Mike McDaniel's two drafts with the Miami Dolphins. They've taken two pass catchers, uh, Ezukama and Higgins. Those two combined for 28 broken tackles and 777 yards after the catch on 106 catches in their final season combined. So there's more of your yak stuff right there. Speed of the tight end position, speed all over the field. Pretty cool that his father played football at USF and so he was born in the state of Florida, but he did move after he was born as his father was in the Air Force. He did tell us in the press conference his whole family is from Tampa now, so he is excited about coming back to his home state and being close to them. Let's go ahead and hear from Elijah and his post-selection press conference with the South Florida media. But first, right before that, let's go to the emotional moment between Elijah and Coach McDaniel on their draft day call. How you
4: doing, man? It's good to from the Dolphins. How How you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's been tough, but so I'm doing good. It's been tough. Good things happen to those away. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we only had a few picks here in the draft, so we're very uh, particular on the types of guys we want to bring in. And uh, uh, we're on the clock here now. We're going to make it a Dolphin, man.
2: Yes, sir. I appreciate it very much, man.
4: Y'all going to get the best from me. I appreciate it. Hey, let it out, man. Don't worry about it. We're excited, man. It's a great opportunity for you. So, I'm very excited I- for I- you. appreciate it. <laughs> Hello? I appreciate
0: it, coach. What's up, man? That's oh, awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, you know, it's uh, everything happens for a reason, bud. And um, yeah, this is something you've earned. This opportunity, and uh, yeah, you know, you're talking to an emotional guy, so don't worry. Just let that let it all out. I appreciate it, coach. Yeah. Thank you guys so much.
3: Shout out to the Dolphins social team and video team here for getting all that stuff captured for us and putting it up on their social channels. Let's go ahead and go to the press conference here and start with this first question for Elijah about his blocking role in the Stanford offense and how excited he is to have an opportunity to increase that role as more of a tight end here with the Miami Dolphins.
2: Yeah, I would say I'm aggressive for sure. Um, and I'm willing to get in battles and willing, willing to fight other defenders, uh, for position on the field, um, and just body position in general, obviously, um, but I would say, like more more above all, I would just say I'm aggressive. Um, I'm willing to block, I'm willing to get my hands dirty, um, and I'm excited to take on that role.
3: Next, I had mentioned the experience of his father being in the military. He was asked what he learned from his father, and you could tell in the press conference what he took from his father. He talked about being respectful of one another, but also in that press conference, the way he thanked us all for our questions, addressed us by our name once we told him our name. Just a really cool kid to uh, to see how nice and respectful he was.
2: Yeah, just being respectful at all times, Um, being humble, being grounded, being present in the moment, sort of things like that, Um, and then holding yourself to to accountability um, and being able to depend on others and allow them to depend on you as well.
3: And how about that family ties back to Florida? Do you still have family down here in South Florida, Elijah?
2: Yeah, I'm actually in Tampa right now. Uh, My family moved back here, and then my entire extended family is here as well. So I'm excited to to be back a little closer to home, um, be near family and be able to see family as well.
3: And as you heard on that draft call, very, very emotional. Here's Elijah walking us through the moment he got that phone call from the Miami Dolphins.
2: Yeah, it was it was a it was a long process for sure. Um, it was definitely difficult, you know, getting into round five, getting through round six, um, and then just kind of just waiting around, and it happened. And um, I would say it's definitely challenging to describe. Um, but definitely a lot of emotions all at once. Um, and I think the ability to be able to process all those different types of emotions with family around was definitely a cool
3: experience. Two more here for Elijah Higgins. First, your impressions of Coach Mike McDaniel.
2: Yeah, my knowledge of him, um, just, just, just a great dude um, all around. Uh, seems like a player's coach for sure. Um, but the one coach I spent the most time with was the tight ends coach, um, Coach Embry. So.
3: And last but not least, your impressions of the guy that he say he spent his most time with, Dolphins tight ends coach, John Embry.
2: I love love Coach Embry, to be honest. He's one of the favorite guys I've met through this whole process. Uh, And that's that's in all honesty. Um, So I'm excited to work with him. I'm excited to be challenged. I'm excited to to learn from underneath him.
3: So there you go. Dolphins sixth round draft pick number 198 overall in the 2023 NFL draft. Elijah Higgins tight end out of Stanford. Next, we're going to go break down the game of the Dolphins seventh round draft pick number 237 overall offensive lineman, offensive tackle, I should say, out of Michigan, Ryan Hayes. That's next. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Let's pivot now to pick 237 in the 2023 NFL Draft. Offensive tackle out of Michigan. Ryan Hayes is the Dolphins draft pick. And while I don't have the audio of the call or the draft pick for Hayes, I'll go ahead and make sure to retweet that for you guys once we do have it on social so you can find it there. You heard the Elijah Higgins call already, man. These things are really cool to hear, so I want to make sure I get that to you guys. But watching the tape of Ryan Hayes, the first thing that jumps out at him to me is the temperament that he plays with. There's a mean streak there, and he always plays through the echo of the whistle. That Michigan power spread they run certainly is the last of a dying breed in terms of playing a little bit more traditional style of football that asks guys to play with power and through the play opposed to just playing fast and trying to get back to the line of scrimmage to line up and go again. You know, that hurry-up style college offense, the check with me, you're not actually huddling up and getting calls. sometimes can discourage finishing because they want you to get back to the line so quickly. There's none of that here on Ryan Hayes' tape. Let's go to the background and the numbers first before we go back into the tape. And first off, he was a tight end, defensive end, and punter in high school. And he also was an all-conference player in that regard, but also in basketball, the player of the year his senior year in this conference, averaging 15 points per game and 10.5 rebounds per game. Double-double. He also was the pitcher of the year in his conference, striking out 102 batters in 59 innings on the bump. His dad was an offensive guard at Central Michigan. His mother was an All-American Hooper who holds 43 school records there and the second all-time leading scorer at Central Michigan Women's Hoops there. Uh, We'll hear from him on that in just one second. There's a ton of explosiveness and athletic ability here on this player's tape. And by the numbers, he scored at 8.9 on the relative athletic scorecard. That's good for 143rd all-time out of 1,294 Offensive tackles that, of course, dates back to 1987. He got there with a blazing fast 10 split of 1.72 seconds, and you just see it on the tape. He fires out of his stance and does some of his best work at the second level. You'll hear from him here in a moment, but he talked about his ability to finish blocks and how much pride he takes in that. He can get out in space and execute those reach blocks that are so key in this offense with traps and pulling tackles and guards that move out wide and really kind of change the. I don't want to call it, you know the 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 aim point, but you basically reset the line of scrimmage outside. Players with this type of athletic ability help you do that, and Ryan Hayes certainly can. Now he's going to have to either just kind of get a little more sound in his technique and add some sand in the pants in terms of the blocking aspect of his game in pass pro because there, there's just a little bit there on tape in terms of uh, some, some difficulties but the running game stuff was really good even at that size but the numbers were were really excellent for him in pass protection as well no sacks allowed last year just 11 total pressures on 357 pass blocking snaps two year starter there at left tackle he began as a right tackle early in his career some think he might kick inside if he adds extra weight so there is positional flexibility there I tend to think he's more of a swing tackle. Option there A guy that can come off the bench in either spot and play left or right tackle. And speaking of the running game numbers, Blake Corum was a star running back last year for Michigan. Here are his numbers from P- pro football focus when running off left end or left tackle. 71 rush attempts, 556 yards, that's 7.83 a pop, 6 touchdowns, 20 first downs, and 11 of those runs. You know, one-seventh of those runs went for 10-plus yards, according to Pro Football Focus. And the Athletics' Dane Brugler writes that Corum benefited from Hayes' understanding of angles when sealing the edge with good pacing on combo blocks and as a climber to engage defenders at that second level. He finishes that blurb. Uh, Dane Bruegler does by noting that Hayes had only six career penalties on 2,114 offensive snaps. And all of that jives with something Ryan told us that you'll hear in a moment here on the press conference that one of his best traits is his intelligence and feel for the game. Also, the Michigan offensive line won the Joe Moore Award in back to back years. That's the best offensive line in the nation, the two years that Hayes was a the starter there. Let's go ahead and get into that press conference here with Ryan Hayes, who met with the South Florida media. And the first question for the new Dolphins offensive lineman: What are the Miami Dolphins getting in Ryan Hayes?
1: Yeah, I think I'm a I'm a smart player. I know where I'm going at all times. So that allows me to know my angles. So I think I play fast. allows me to play extremely fast. And use my athleticism to an advantage. And every play I'm out there, I'm going to finish finish as hard as I can to the whistle. So you're going to get a hardworking guy that flies around the field.
3: Up next here, I thought this was one of the coolest parts of the press conference. He was asked about any guys in the NFL whose tape he likes to study or model his game after, and he mentioned a current Miami Dolphin, a guy that he studies a whole bunch, and I have a feeling Ryan Hayes and Teron Armstead are going to be attached at the hip come training camp.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of like to watch the top guys around the league at, at their position, guys like um, Trent Williams, guys like, guys like that, but I definitely have I've watched a ton of Teron Armstead. We had an old coach that used to coach oh, cool. him. Yeah, so we watched a lot of his old films. So it's really going to be awesome getting in that room with him and just learning what he he has for me. Who was the coach and what was his position on the staff? Uh, It was Brad Ingalls of the Saints.
3: Pretty dang good company there. Next, I asked Ryan about his three-sport stardom in high school and how that helped him really just be a better football player playing multiple sports in high school.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always... I was, I was competing year round. I think that's what I love to do. I just loved sports growing up. So that kept me busy, kept me doing all kinds of things. And I don't know. It just, I think it got me prepared for the next level. Switching to O line, never done that before, but I did so many things already. I think I was prepared for it. So I'm super, super excited for this next challenge.
3: How about playing at a school that produces so many good offensive linemen and has such good coaching on that offensive lineman? How has that helped you prepare for the National Football League, Mr. Hayes? I
1: mean, yeah, the draft process has been up and down a lot of grades. I mean, obviously, I was trying to take everything in um, because it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But from Michigan, I think it prepared me really well for this process. We run a lot of the same schemes, I think, that we were being taught and um, asked to talk about through the process. Obviously, we get great coaching there, so... I don't think I could have picked a better place to be at to get ready for this next step.
3: And there you go, just like that, the draft is a wrap. We have one more segment for you all here: Chris Greer, Mike McDaniel. End of draft press conference. We'll hear from that next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. Brought to you by AutoNation. Let's resume and finish this draft with the post-draft press conference of Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer. And the first question was posed for the head ball coach down here in Miami. Uh, Mike McDaniel was asked about what he likes the most about tight end Elijah Higgins. And as coach is wont to do, gave us a great answer here, breaking down in-depth not just the player, but who he kind of reminds him of, of a guy that he coached in the past.
0: First of all, just excited to, to add the competitor. Um, you, you see through his game tape, he he's a guy that strains with the ball in his hands, um, but for specifically um, for the tight end position, you know this, that's uh, drafting a, a guy that plays wide receiver um, and converting him to tight end. Uh, you know that's you know, I think the first time in my career um, that that I was a part of that was as Paul um, back in 2000. I want to say 11 out of Nebraska and. Um, for me in my history he he uh, there's some there's a lot of traits that he resembled uh, in, in his competitiveness and his size and his strength um, and, and really um, this day and age converting a receiver to a tight end isn't um, is abstract as it used to be um, only because half the teams are playing spread in two points anyway even if they're called the tight end they're playing receiver stuff anyway so you you get kind of used to projecting um people to to do things like that we felt very comfortable and confident uh that that he fit the bill for that so excited to have him
3: and why don't we go over to the gm for his take chris greer on tackle ryan hayes uh
4: with him it's he's played a lot of football he's, he's smart kid competitive tough you know came as a tight end and converted and worked so um been coached at a good program um coach Harbaugh They've done a great job so um just watching him and and over the years develop and compete and play and so for us we were excited to at this point in the draft to add him into our group of guys to come in and compete
3: hey I have a question does everybody out there that was tweeting about tight ends and tackles feel a little bit silly now have we not learned about this by now? Last year, Teron Armstead, said, oh, we need an offensive tackle. Oh, we need a wide receiver. And they go out and they get Teron and they wind up getting a kill. Same thing happened here. We complained about day two not bringing you the positions you wanted. And now we get tackled and tight end on day number three. So I asked Chris Greer, how does day three compare to day one or two when it comes to drafting best player available, drafting for need? Does that approach change at all? Here's the Dolphins GM. Uh,
4: I, I think, you know, when you... Getting into the later rounds. It's you're still you're always evaluating your roster and, and where potential holes could be for even not just for this year but for the following year. So, um, but for us, it's always still drafting the best player. Uh, we went by our board, you know, and the guys we picked today were, you know, the best players there for us um, where we had it rated for what we were looking for. So, um, at the end of the day, it's you're always still trying to add the best players because you never know where injuries and stuff will pop up on your roster from year to year.
3: So personally speaking here, I just love what Coach McDaniel has brought to this building for so many things. One of the things I love the most about him is that I feel like he's brought in more of Chris Greer's personality out of the GM here for the Miami Dolphins, and this is a a question and answer that was posed to him about, what's your message to you know the UDFAs out there that this would be a great place to sign? And Chris basically just said, like, check the tape, son.
4: Uh, You know, I think with us, I think people have... (laughs) People have, have seen kind of you know what's transpired here over the last year, and um, you know and it speaks for the players that have wanted to come here. You know, um, talked about it, and um, from no recruiting or anything on our end, we're just you know kind of how we have approached business. But I think our players, the ones that have been in the building, have, you know talked about how they really like how Mike and the staff approach you know building the culture here, and then from Steve and Tom's support, allowing us to do the things here that we do that. Um, you know, South Florida is a great place to be, you know, great fan base. And, um, you know, we're trying to build the best team we can t- to win games. And, and I think um, people see and players see that, you know, we're trying to win and doing things to win. So it, it's an exciting time for us, but we know a lot of work to be done still.
3: Coach McDaniel had more to say about that. Let's go to Coach. Yeah,
0: and on top of that, I think it's one of the reasons it's so important that um, you create competitive opportunities. Um, for players to play, um, one thing that is very important uh, to Chris and I is that we're a place where um, the best players play, and you know that's that's something I think that's a draw for for players as well as we will uh, um, just give them an opportunity to compete, uh, and and that's really what all these guys want. You, you know they're sitting through the draft, watching so many people get taken over them. And, you know, that really you just said, you know what, I'm good enough to play in the league. Um, I just need an opportunity. We'll we'll provide that.
3: Last year, I asked coach on this very day what he learned from Chris Greer and his first ever experience in the draft as a head coach. And he gave me, you know, a, a classic Coach McDaniel answer that he crushes sushi and, and cherry Pepsi, which I thought was pretty pretty great. And then he talked more about what he actually learned about being around Chris Greer. And I wasn't going to, I wanted to ask him this, but somebody else actually asked it before I could. And so I wonder if I would have gotten a different answer here, but here he gave you a a completely serious answer about Chris Greer, what he learned being around him. And then we'll go to Chris Greer as well. That same question about what he learned about being around Mike McDaniel during another draft process.
0: I mean, you learn. So if you just open your eyes and ears, you learn so much about people every day. Um, He's a, he he's very patient and tolerable of my personality. I've learned that. Um, Four picks. The interesting thing about that is you're very aware um, that you have a small opportunity to make your team better, but it's a it's a very it's a very real opportunity. So you don't want you don't ever want to squander a draft pick. But um, the less you have to focus on, the less amount of draft picks. You know, you you have more attention on them. So uh, on those parts of the draft and, and, uh, you know, re- really, what can you get out of it? So, um, I, I think the, at this point, we probably know everything about each other except for, you know, it, how, how sweaty my palms going to get if we have a first round draft pick. Um, we don't know that yet. Um, but
4: I won't be that nervous. Yeah. And I not. think that, you know, the communication part of it, yeah. you know, um, between the coaching staff, the scouts has um, been really good. And I, and I think if you asked everyone in the building, there's a lot of, a lot of work goes into drafts, as you know, it's never one man show, two man. It's a, it's a lot of people helping a lot of information done. And so uh, I just think the environment of allowing everyone to have a voice in the process and, and really allowing people to have a say and really be free to speak on stuff has been really really fun and and so it's been a really good process so I I think guys have really enjoyed it and we we felt we've had a good outcome
3: one thing I never really understood with uh the journalism side of this whole deal is like the questions that you quote unquote have to ask to me if they're not going to give you an answer which you know they won't on this one you don't have to ask it but I was intrigued by the answer because you wind up getting more from coach McDaniel in terms of you know talking about the importance of having multiple defensive backs that you can you know Filter in and out, and you know, basically take care of the attrition issue that we had last year, but also the frequency of how many times you use five plus defensive backs in the NFL and specifically in Coach Fangio's system. So, he was asked, Is there a potential you might move Jalen Ramsey to the safety position? Here's Coach and Chris on that question.
0: Um, no, I, only because uh, when you're he's really good at corner. And so I, I try not to mess really good up, <laughs> but um, no, there's there's been uh, the 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 cool thing about the defensive backfield in general, um, you know. I think I think Vic has hit us on the stat a hundred times, but um, you know, five DBs on the field, it happens, um, you know, almost three quarters of the time um, in the National Football League now. So there are uh, you know in in Vic's defense in his system um, if you understand it there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can get on the field there's some position versatility um, that if you go back to his his history um, you know there's there's been various people who played different spots um, that uh, that has been in discussion um, but not with Jalen Ramsey I, I, say um he's uh I think he's a good corner what are you it's not bad okay
3: all right that is all folks that is your 2023 Miami Dolphins draft class we will have more coverage for you guys on this including rookie minicamp how these guys play in OTAs we'll have I'm sure extended interviews with these guys in the UDFA class we'll also have Emory Hunt on at some point to wrap up the UDFA class and uh yeah that's it four draft picks the uh the total of that Miami Dolphins picks was less than the number of cappuccinos I had the last two days, so that's a good number there to end the podcast on. Like I said, we'll come back next week and have more content for you all. No show on Monday. I think I'll come back on Tuesday with another podcast here, breaking down some more stuff for you all. In the meantime, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the fish tank with my guys Seth and Juice. Check out the team YouTube channel for Dolphins Today and Media availabilities and last but not least miamidolphins.com until next time fins up caroline cameron daddy's coming home